Well, forgive me for playing classic rock before I, but I have a little liberty this morning. Uh, it is our 40th anniversary, and so thank, as Brenda said, thank you for the opportunity to go away together. It was a great time together. Um, it's always good to get away from the hustle and bustle of life and just spend some time together. And we appreciate that together. Thank you, Brenda, for 40 years. God bless you. And um, I've had a head, head cold and allergies for a couple of weeks. It got better in Myrtle Beach. So if I'm not at my utmost best self today, just overlook that for a moment. I'm calling those things that are not as though they are. But I'm just saying I'm not really the fat, most fabulous feeling today. But thank you, Pastor Brenda, for letting me preach, uh, the MLT for letting me come. And in my view, I just think the leadership team, Pastor Brenda, are doing uh, everything right. I don't, I'm not saying anything. Uh, I love what they're doing. I appreciate all the decisions they're making. And just thank God for all, all that you're doing. So I'm kind of following in the sermon series that Brenda has set apart for the tools of the trade. And so uh, about 10 years ago, uh, 2008, I was in Israel. And um, I experienced the art of trading with Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, there was a lot of negotiating before a final price uh, was, was determined. Most of my trading was in Jerusalem with a Palestinian believer who owned a shopkeeper, who owned a shop. And I traded my money for his goods. And what preceded the deal was words. We negotiated with the use of words. As kids growing up, we used words to, to trade for various uh, and sundry things, from, from baseball cards to candy to food, uh, you know, to places in the car, to anything. But we would use words in negotiation as we would trade for things. Um, two weeks after graduating from high school in 1972, um, I found myself in a position where uh, uh, mom and dad had cut me off financially. And so there was nobody paying my bills. So I had to find a trade, went to an electronic school and worked a night custodian job to, uh, to pay my way through the trade school so that it, in turn, I would have a trade that I could work and, uh, and, and, and eventually put food on my table and some uh, shelter over my head. And during that time frame, I, I learned a whole a different trade of electronics. And so I began to fill my toolbox of the trade uh, of electronics. I've, I then landed a job as a, a cable television technician and went on head end technician uh, before I went on into uh, the ministry. But a toolbox is filled with tools of the specific trade that you are, are working with. A toolbox of an electronic technician looks much different than the toolbox like my oncologist uses when she is looking at uh, all the results of tests and all that stuff and then making a determination on what ought to be done with a particular patient. And so I now have a new trade. I'm a real estate agent. And uh, one of the primary tools of that trade are skilled words, negotiating words, very skilled words. And so I'm learning that trade. And so as I follow this, this uh, pattern of Brenda's set for the tools of the trade, there's two concepts she has initiated, which is this. Number one, we've traded our old life for new life in Christ. And in doing that, we've entered into a new trade. No matter what we actually do for a living, we have traded our old life 
for our new life in Christ. And so there's tools of that trade. And number two, the Christian toolbox is unique and what we need to and get to learn to grow in the use of those Christian uh, tools in our toolbox. Prayer, study of the word, worship. There's, there's literally as many as there are tools of, uh, of a trade, of, uh, like a mechanic or electronic, there are that many tools in spiritual formation in a relationship with God. And so let's not limit the tools of that relationship with God to just a few. There, there's many of those tools, and I encourage you to open yourself up to that. But today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize the, the actual tool of words. Words, I believe, are the main tool that if we will learn to use them in a proper way and in a godly way, we will see uh, the things of God forming in our life and developing in our life and the obstacles of this life falling uh, at the feet of Jesus if we will use our words in a proper way. So um, I would like for you to go with me here just for a moment to Luke chapter 5. It'll be up on the screen. So why don't we just do this because I, I, I used to do it, still like to do it, is stand for the reading of the word. It's not just for honor, but it's to stretch just a little bit and be ready for the, get our minds ready to receive the word. It's going to be just a few verses, this short reading in Luke chapter 5, verses 12, 13, 14, and 15. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed the word of the Lord. Please remain standing as we pray. Lord, give us words so we may only say what you would have us to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Words. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Words are to be spoken to the right person. And the right person is the person who is in authority over the situation, the person, the place, or the thing. And so uh, the weekend, uh, the couple of days before Viva Vienna, I called the Department of Public Works in the town of Vienna and left a message. And the message was this. I have called and I, I've talked to the town for dec a decade and asked for the sidewalk to be repaired at the corner of Center Street and Air Hill Avenue by Vienna Assembly of God. I've talked to town employees. I've talked to many people. And I would really like it if you would fix this sidewalk. It's become a danger. So I got a call back the next day from Jennifer, who was the head of the Department of Public Works who would feel those calls. And she said, uh, and we're, we're, we know each other on first name basis. She says, Craig, I have no record of you 
calling. I said, well, I didn't talk to you, but I've talked to town employees. I've talked to a supervisor out on the street. I've even talked to the mayor. I've even talked to the town manager. Over a decade of life, I've talked to people in the town about this problem. But she said, but Craig, you did not talk to me. And I am the person you need to talk to. And she said, Craig, at this moment, I am writing up a work order and the job will be done. It helps to talk to the right person. <laughs> it helps to talk to the right person. Words spoken to the wrong people or wrong situation have little effect. They're just more like complaining or gossiping or just getting some, getting, blowing off steam, whatever you want to do. But words directed to the right person have a profound, dynamic effect. And I want to attempt to encourage you to take your words and direct them to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and using primarily God's Word as a basis for your supplication and prayer before Him. I urge you, I urge you to take what little energy you have and to put those words and direct them to the heavenly Father, the Lord of all who can change things, who change things from chaos and emptiness into light and the earth and all that is within it. Use the same pattern that our heavenly Father used and take those words and direct them to the one who can actually do something about it. Can you just say amen somebody? Somebody take your words and use them specifically. And the leper in this passage used words that were directed to the right person. We don't know how long the leper had suffered. We don't know how many people he talked about his suffering. We don't know how many physicians he had seen. We only see that now he is speaking to the one person who could do something about his disease. And he said, Lord. He's finally getting to the place where he can talk. He's talking to the person who can do something about this. And he directed his prayer to the Lord. Now, when I talk to people in the town about the particular problem, instead of to the right person who could fix a problem, it was my mistake. The sidewalk never got fixed, not because the town didn't care about it, but it was my mistake. I had to take ownership that over a decade of wasting energy and words to the wrong person, it was my mistake. It was my mistake because I did not direct it to the person who could write up the work order and get it done. 
It was easy to blame the town. Even during running for town council, I made fun of the town for, they can't even fix a sidewalk in front of our church. Isn't it easy to complain about things? Isn't it easy to use our words to say things that, 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 that sound normal, sound right? But it was my mistake. It was my mistake. And I hope today in the course of this message, when something strikes you as your mistake, you can quickly say, Lord, I'm sorry, and then get on with it. The leper can teach us something as well as my mistake can teach you. Use the tool of words to communicate to the Lord what you need and you want and you desire to have. The scripture says, Lord, if you are willing, and scripture records the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I am willing. Predetermined to follow the word of God in prayer. Not a feeling, not opinions or other people's views. And take ownership of your situation. Take ownership of your situation. A great book is if you, if you struggle with blaming others or blaming situations, a great book is called Extreme Ownership. Um, it's a great book. If you, just a FYI, if you or someone else are, are struggling with your life, it's a great book. It's not a Christian book, but it gets right to the point of this issue of ownership. To continue praying, Lord, if it be your will, once God's will is revealed in Scripture, is not faith. Once you know God's will and you keep praying, Lord, if it is your will, that's revealing that you're not speaking in faith. You're not praying in faith. God's will is revealed in His Word, FYI. It's, it's God's will is revealed in the written recorded word of God. God chose to do it this way and that's how we determine his will and his will is revealed in his word. And here is what I believe. I believe that God's will is revealed in his word and I believe our words ought to reflect it is God's will to heal everyone. I believe it is God's will to save everyone. I believe it is God's will to deliver everyone. I believe it is God's will to bless financially everyone. I believe it is God's will for everyone to be part of a transforming church community. I believe it's God's will for everyone to align their words to the word of God. It's even better than Jennifer putting the work order and within a few days getting the sidewalk repaired. When will you get your words directed to the right person? Words. The leper said, actually the, Jesus said, I am willing. And Jesus said, be clean. So when Jennifer told me the work order was put in, I relaxed and trusted I trusted her word. I joked with her and I said, I needed to have talked to a woman in the first place. <laughs> you want something done? Talk to a woman. We joked, we joked about it, but men, I'm telling you now, if you tell a woman something, she's likely to get it done. You could say men if you want to, but it's the truth. She said it was going to get done, and I had faith in her word. All I had to do was follow the signs when they were put out to not park a car along the sidewalk. I just had to not get in the way. They had three town signs. 
Do not park here between, on these days and between this hours. All I had to do to, get the, to make sure the job was done is to not get in the way or do something stupid. After the, the worker was put in, there was only a few things that had to be done, which was don't get in the way don't, don't, and don't do anything stupid. What if I chose to park a car out there? With the sign saying, do not park here. What would have happened to the job? What? The car might have gotten ruined, but what else would have happened? They, wouldn't have, they probably wouldn't have done anything. And if I'd have, if I, then, then if I'd have blamed the town, the town just won't do anything we ask them to do. But I had parked my car out there. Who, 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 who would be responsible? Me. And this is hard, this is hard for us, church. This is hard. This, this is, is going to be a hard lesson for you. You're going you're to need some dad's root beer after this. Dads. <laughs> you pray about something. And then it's not happening. You ready for this? This is hard medicine. It's not God's fault, FYI. <laughs> it's not God's fault. It wouldn't be the town's fault if I'd parked my car out there that the job didn't get done. It's more likely on the side of the equation called the human side than it will be on God's side. Now, that's going to hurt somebody's faith, I'm sure. But I'm just trying to help you this morning that when we analyze things, and God says to you, I'm willing. I want you to settle that. It is God's will to heal everyone. God's will to save everyone. God's will to deliver everyone. God's will is a blanket general statement to every human being. And when a human being begins to wonder if they are saved and you get bogged down with this thing, well, I guess it's God's will to save a few people, but not everybody. Then that one person or two people who question their salvation, they're automatically going to go to the side that says, I guess I am that one. I guess I'm born to perdition. I guess I've done something too bad. I can't get saved. Blah, 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 blah. And it's important for us to settle. It is God's will, will to heal, save, deliver, bless, restore, get active in a transforming community, every human being. And I would love it if y'all would agree with that. And accept this, that you are included in God's plan of salvation, God's plan of deliverance, God's plan of healing, God's plan of freedom from addiction, God's freedom from all of these things. And here's the great thing. And I, not everyone's going to believe this next bit of theology. Just turn to your neighbor and said, you know, he's not the pastor anymore. He doesn't even care what I think anymore. And guess what? I don't. <laughs> but because theology and a belief is highly personal. And whatever you feel about my belief 
can't affect my belief. Because it's, if I have to believe something and have to believe for healing, it's up to me to take ownership of that. You understand where I'm going with this? I can't, I can't let anybody affect uh, a belief. And I'm asking you also, don't let anybody affect your belief. Land somewhere. This was an instant miracle. Thank God for an instant miracle. And when God says, I'm willing, what is one thing we need to believe? I'm going to pause here and ask you. When God says, I am willing, what is one thing I am asking that we need to believe? It is God. He's able. He's willing. It's God's will. That is one thing to believe. Faith. It is to believe that God really is willing. And take that out of the equation. Especially when you're bringing something difficult before him. Now, this is an immediate miracle. We can rejoice in that. But guess what? Rejoicing is not in the miracle. But our rejoicing is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because we can rejoice in an experience. We can rejoice in a testimony. But the true rejoicing is in the work of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, this was an immediate miracle, but, and we should rejoice in those things. But here's, what, here's, what, here's the theology. I hope you can forgive me if I share this with you. I'm going, I'm going to have to say to you and say this. The moment my order went into Jennifer, the work was done. I just had to wait for it to be manifested. I had to wait for it to become what the work order said it was to be and not do anything stupid to keep it from being done. I could have disobeyed the word from the sign from the town and parked in the way. I could have rebelled and gotten in the way of the work and the work would have been delayed until I got out of the way. What is something the Lord has said to you to do or not to do and you have not listened and obeyed? You've prayed, then that's good. Now obey. Now obey what the Lord has said and get out of the way so God can work. Ten years ago, I'm thankful I went to the very place and wept and praised at the very spot where Jesus died. Incredible, incredible experience. Ten years ago, I was baptized in the very place that John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. Ten years ago, I waded in the Sea of Galilee and touched water that Jesus actually walked on. Ten years ago, I challenged two young bucks to run up the backside of Masada on a challenge. And if I had only a hundred more yards, I would have beat them. <laughs> Ten years ago has now been passed, and now it's 2018. And trust me, there's going to be hundreds 
of reasons why you should not believe. There's going to be people that will encourage you to not believe. There will be many reasons why you should not continue to believe. But I'm asking you to take ownership and, and believe about Jesus, that he is willing. He is willing. He is willing. Healing is not immediate anymore, by the way. It's actually past tense. It's a false theology to believe for an immediate or even a progressive healing or sanctification when you're speaking about God's power. It is our receiving that's either immediate or progressive, but God's power to heal, save, bless, deliver is actually past tense. God's power was manifested, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So to believe for an immediate miracle may cause you to miss the miracle. The miracle happened at the resurrection. And we are to receive what was given at the resurrection. And meanwhile, while I wait to have my healing or my deliverance or my freedom of addiction manifested, my anchor is set on what Christ has done on the cross and what God the Father did when he raised Jesus from the dead. My faith is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, not my experience or your experience. I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm delivered, I'm set free. I'm blessed financially. I'm healed from allergies. I'm healed from migraines. I'm healed from misunderstandings. God is willing, and he said, be clean. If we can hear that, be clean, be healed, be delivered, be set free. Now, this realtor gig where God has called me to be, he, are, he has already willed me to be financially blessed. Now it's up to me to align myself with the will of God and become what he has already said would be. It is God's will to bless. Now it's up to me to find that pathway to that blessing. What if you can memorize this little passage? I am willing... Let's just try it. I am willing, he said, be clean. Let's try this. Memorize kings and queens. I am willing, he said, be clean. One, two, three. I am willing, he said, be clean. I am willing, he said, be clean. People like to joke and kid that wrote memory on these, you know, other countries don't work anymore. But I'm trying to tell you, it might not hurt to do a little rote memory every now and then and say it. I'm willing, he said, be clean. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Now insert your need in the phrase. I'm willing, he said, be blessed, be healed, be saved, be forgiven, be set free. Be whatever. Fill in that blank for you. A dentist told me I need to lay off sweets. Amen. I am willing. Be set free from sugar addiction. Oh, but don't mess with my addiction. It's okay. 
Come on, church. Can't come on. I've joked about it. God set me free from drugs and alcohol, but I've struggled with sugar addiction. That's okay, pastor. It's no big deal. Everybody's got a little something. No, Jesus said, I'm willing. Be clean. You see, what happens is if you say, it's okay, it's all, one little thing's all right, pretty soon, pretty soon, you'll have cavities. <laughs> And then some, and other stuff will happen in your life. Now, here's something that introverts are going to love. Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. Introverts, don't you like that? Don't tell anyone. Patty, I know you'd like this. This may be hard for extroverts to accept. The mission God sent the cleansed leper to was specifically to the priest. In a private secluded setting, the priest was to have received a visible witness of the miraculous cleansing power of Jesus Christ. This might be a shock to most of us, but since most of us in this room are introverts, except a few, it's going to be a relief to know some people do better in a private secluded setting to receive a witness about the miraculous cleaning power of Jesus Christ. And when the cleansed leper chose to not follow the mission of God, we will never know the damage that was done. This was to be a soft toss to the priest on duty that day about the miraculous healing power of Jesus Christ. Instead, it turned into a confrontation. And instead of in a private setting, the priest being able to visibly see that a miracle had happened with a, with a silent witness by a cleansed leper, now it moved out into the public setting and, and, and the priest dug into one side and Jesus and his followers on the other side and we will never know, we will never know if the introvert in us would have just done exactly what the Lord said do, which was don't tell anyone but go show yourself to the priest. When you meet with your financial planner, just show what the Lord has done. When you meet with your oncologist, just show what the Lord has done. When you meet with your dentist, show what the Lord has done. When you meet with your mechanic, show what the Lord has done. When you meet with your attorney, show what the Lord has done. All these are professions, professionals in my life that when they've given me advice and I follow it and, I, and there's good that comes of that, they now can see what the Lord has done and will join me in rejoicing in the Lord. This is, this is clicking with anybody. I'm all about doing it yourself. I plant my own garden. I even make my own skin ointment. I'm, I, I make my own spices. 
I'm all about doing it yourself. But some professions, it's just better to let them be the professional in your life. And when they do a job, listen to what they say. And after you listen to what they say and you prayed about it, go back and show to them what had happened. And in the private secluded setting of their office, they will receive a visible witness of what the Lord has done. Amen? Amen. Not everyone can just talk to anybody. But we're still supposed to talk to people. And this is a way to do that in the private secluded setting of a, of a professional. Now, the Lord has seen fit to, to conclude my ministry as pastor and to send me on a mission to the marketplace and now to anoint Brenda to be the pastor of the church and to the community. My mission now is primarily one-on-one -on -one discussions family and friends and people who have uh, tried selling their home and have failed at it. My, my, my primary mission is private one-on-one -on -one communication with people. And the goal every week, the goal every week is for me to make 200 contacts every week. I've only met that goal once. I about 100 a week is as good as I've been able to do. But here's a sign that hangs in my office. And I'd like to, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to take this metaphor as a shift and a connection on inviting someone to church. Here's a sign that hangs in my office. 48% of salespeople never follow up with the prospect. 25% of salespeople make a second contact and stop. 12% of salespeople only make three contacts and stop. Only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. 80% of sales are made on the 5th to 12th contact. So what if you invite someone to church? And you say, I'm, if I go and tell them, if I invite them to church again, they're going to be annoyed. So you say, I don't want to annoy them. I'm only going to invite someone to church one time. What percentage does this say of your effectiveness? You're going to have to invite 100 people to get two people. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is this ringing a bell to anybody? And if you give up on the first contact... Well, I don't guess they want Jesus. I don't guess they want to come to church. If you give up, you're only at 2%. You've got to get down into here on the 5th or 12th contact. Just elbow your neighbor and say, 5 to 12 times? <sighs> Do it. Come on, say it with disgust if you want to, but it's going to happen. How many can honestly say that you're good with asking someone to come to church five to 12 times. Thank you, Bethany. 
Most of us are, we, most of us barely can do it once, right? Come on, talk to me. How many, how many is barely comfortable doing it one time? Barely. Some of us only do it one time. <laughs> how about two times? I'm losing people. Me and Beth, you, I, got, I got Daniel back there. We got three. How about now four times? All right, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting going. Five times? All right, we start, we start drifting off, don't we? Why, why is Vienna Assembly of God not increasing in attendance? When you came in, Stan was asked to give every one of you one of Brenda's cards. I'd like for you to take that red card and hold it up. Now, one day, your former pastor, now realtor, is going to say to you, but I'm not there. I'm, I'm about to be there. But I'm going to say to you, for every card you hand out, I'm going to give you a dollar the next Sunday. I'm going to. I'm not there yet. But I'm going to do that one Sunday. Man, I'm, if I was to do it this week, it'd probably only cost me two bucks. But I'm telling you, congregation, I'm serious about this. I want you to hold that card up and I want you to say this with me. I'd like to invite you to Vienna Assembly of God. We have a new pastor. Practice it. Just say it. I'd like to invite you to Vienna Assembly of God. We have a new pastor. And that's all you got to do. Say it out loud, Patty. Come on. Everybody, including Patty, from Patty to Brenda. The Bible says Israel's from Dan to Beersheba. All right. Vienna Assembly of God is from Patty to Brenda. We, I'd like to invite you to Vienna Assembly of God. We have a new pastor. And leave a card and go on your merry way. It's that simple. By the grace of God, I've been able to hand out 5,000 of my business cards. By the grace of God, of that 5,000 handed out, talking to 100 people a day, I've had three or four people actually want to use my services. And, and, and the reality is, in, in the real estate world, that's a fabulous percentage. What if we could accept this, that it takes that many contacts before someone is going to be in a place where they're actually wanting or needing uh, the ministry of a congregation. So what, what I've asked you to do is take those two or three cards this week and, and, just, and just do it. Give them away to people and let it go. The church has been wise to invest in a, uh, a ministry and, um, and a person actually 
responded to that ministry. And at Myrtle Beach, Brenda got an email about a person who, was, who had a situation. He needed pastoral ministry. And she was able to give it. Write an email and minister to that person. And uh, we, we, we just don't know the hurting that goes on in our community or the situation that might arise and someone needs a church. So what I'm asking you to do today is to take your words and to, and, and to, and to, um, and to follow the first book of the Bible and the first book of the New Testament and to use your words. And if it's in prayer or if it's in ministry or if it's an invitation to someone to, to be a part of a transforming community, I'm asking you to take your words. And I know for many of us, this will be most difficult. And I'm asking you to, to kind of bow before the Lord to acknowledge your difficulty and to ask for God's grace and help and strength in Jesus' name. To use your words and actually use your own words in this prayer. And while you are using your own words in prayer, I'm going to invite Pastor Brenda to come and as she feels led to wrap the service up. Meanwhile, I'd like for you to continue to use your own words in prayer in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that Pastor Craig has shared. Help us to settle within our own hearts that your will and your purpose for us is good. To not doubt that. To align our words according to that. To pray in faith and to proclaim the good news for all people. I thank you for the encouragement to invite folks to come. And I do pray that you would uh, give a special grace and a special favor to us, that that is um, either we've tried and been discouraged, uh, we don't want to uh, be annoying <laughs> Frankly, we don't want to come across as a salesperson. But if we could understand that there are truly people that just need a friend and an invitation to transforming community might be just the thing. I pray you'd give us discernment and wisdom. Help us to know how and when and whom to invite. And help us just be willing that you are going there before us. You are doing the work. You're already there, preparing hearts to receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.